0: You know, several years ago, my son Joel came home from an event with a turtle. He had been wanting a turtle for a long time. We'd been looking into turtles, and he just found one. And so in comes the turtle, and so all of you parents out there, you know what happens then. You're scrambling. What does the thing eat? (laughs) What kind of a turtle is he? Where does he need to live? What do I need to get? And so, you know... As people, we're often like that. We do things, we jump in, and then we realize we didn't have everything figured out. We're kind of trying to make up times. You know, when God created this earth, um, nothing could be further from that picture. So well thought out. Every single step. But God did everything in absolutely perfect order. I don't even have all my days memorized. I don't know what he did all the, all the days. But I do know that he didn't end up with a man before he had an earth to put him on. <laughs> he didn't end up with a fish before he had water to put him in. He didn't end up with all the creatures and the birds and everything before he had somewhere for them to get food and for them to stand. And I mean... Everything that he did, he did in perfect, logical, sequential order, and everything was leading up to one thing, and that was to the creation of his man. And so let's look in the first chapter of Genesis. We're going to look in verse 26. Everything's already been created now. Everything's already been created, and now we're down to what he made it all for, and it was for you. It was for me. Here he ends up, he says, God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle. Over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So whose image? Did he say that about any of the animals that they were made in his image? He just spoke and there were animals, there were birds, fish and everything. But when it came to man, when it came to you and me, we are mankind. He made us to look like him and to be like him. What does that sound like to you? It's your offspring. (laughs) You know, when we have a brand new baby that's born, we study them. And sometimes it's really hard, but we look and we look and we figure out, okay, it has so-and-so's nose, and oh, there's these ears. Now, in our particular family, mine, not Mike's, We have these awful feet, and with every passing generation, they've become less awful. I guess they get diluted over time, but when (laughs) we were trying to have baby, I would say, Lord, (laughs) please. Make sure the foot gene is not in there. <laughs> Let me be the last one with the awful foot, you know. We don't want that. But usually we're just looking for all these little special things. Oh look, you know, their eyebrow quirks just like their grandma. They do. And we're looking at them seeing our own reflection in their faces and the way that they do things. Then as they grow and they develop, the way that they act, uh, the way they walk, the way they talk, just the different ways they do things, we begin to see ourselves more and more and more all the time in them. Sometimes they're not real happy about that. But usually we're really delighted. (laughs) And God did that with you and I. The animals are awesome. You know, you see all these cool videos that people have these days of all these creatures you've never heard of. And you see them, you think, is that really real? Is that like a real thing? (laughs) And it is somewhere in some body of water or something. All of those are incredible, but none of them were made in God's own image. And in the Bible it says that when he had actually taken this man and formed him out of mud... That he breathed on him. He deposited a part of himself into this man. And so in verse 27 it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Um, and God blessed them. Oh, we forgot part of verse, verse 26. He said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Did we read this or No. We did? Okay, so he created this man in his image, and everything in the earth in these next few verses, he said, all of this is under your control. You're to have dominion over it. The animals, you're to have dominion over it. The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, all of the plants, the trees, everything, you are going to have dominion over. Everything that I've created, because God created things, for us this whole world all of its beauty all of the interesting creatures everything he created it almost like a, this isn't really what you would say for your children but like a habitat a perfect habitat for us you know we with our kids you know we might make them a princess room or <laughs> we make them a small habitat that suits their needs but this earth god made for us, and for us to dominate. And so he's created in every man. There is a sense that we have been created to dominate. We haven't been born into this earth for nothing. We're not here for no reason. There is this sense on the inside of us, but how many of you can uh, witness to the fact that there are voices <laughs> that come to you <laughs> and whisper to you (laughs) that you are not significant in this world. Other people are significant. Other people do great things. Other people are David and Goliath. they conquer, they overcome, but you're just you. (laughs) You're not like everybody else. I was a weird kid and I prayed, Lord, let me never have one like me, and he's been good to me in that respect. <laughs> but I was not an easy kid to raise. I just had all these weird things going on in my head. And one of these things that went on in my head was just this you know, I was born into a family of go getters. They're all like high power, you know, we're going to move the earth. If it doesn't move, we will bulldoze it over. We're, you know, movers and shakers and. I just really wasn't like them. I like piddling in the garden and <laughs> and in the kitchen. And, you know, I just really wasn't like that. And as a little girl, I just thought, I don't really think that I come from them. <laughs> and I, I would have this little picture in my mind of this little baby by the road that these kind people found and took in. And I can remember once as as a young girl, my granny talking about my birth, and I'm thinking, Granny's in on it too. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, they just found me by the road because I'm just not like these people. And there was just this thing inside of me as a kid that said, I'm not like you. And you know, the enemy will come to all of us, even though we read these verses, That we're made in his image. We're made in his likeness. We are significant in this world. He has something for us to do. He has a role for us to play. He has places he needs us to be at certain times and he needs us to be ready (laughs) because he needs you. It's not the person sitting next to you. It's not your mom. It's not your dad. It's not that other great world changer that you know. It's you. He needs you right in that place at that time doing what he's called you to do. And yet, we will look at all those things that we know and we'll just inside listen to this voice that says, but you are not significant. You know, there's something in the human spirit that just (laughs) reacts to that. Some people are smart enough to just reject it. <laughs> Some people just back down. Did any of y'all see that cartoon? Was it called The Croods, The Little Cave People? I several of y'all watched it. There, we become like that. <laughs> Our whole goal in life is just, Lord, let nothing ever bad happen to me. Nothing ever tragic happen to me. Let no bad disease come on my body during this lifetime. Don't let anything happen to my children. Don't let there be any tornadoes. Just don't let anything bad happen and just let me slip on through life. Very insignificant but safe. And finally I'll be heaven and it'll all be over. But you were not created for that. And it is important that as you walk through your days, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what your occupation is. It doesn't matter what you've been called to. Some of you are called to things that are hugely significant, and you actually have other occupations that occupy you in the day, you know, that are part of your life too. But you have this other thing that it's... Causes you in this world to be hugely significant. If you didn't do what you were doing, there would be people who were hurting. And it is so important that you and I grab a hold of that sense of our own significance. And it doesn't matter what we're doing. Some people, you know, like that Duggar family, I mean, she's raising children. <laughs> I've heard they've had some troubles, and I haven't been into their story since they've had troubles, so I might be blind to some things. But um, those children, everything that they're investing in them is an investment in the world. It's an investment in the future. And so it doesn't matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter if, if you are a stay at home mom, keeping your home, investing in your children, investing in your family. You're investing in something hugely significant. Um, And so it's so important for us to grasp this. Now, when I was, most of you know my story. My parents were missionaries. I was raised in Africa. At that point in time, um, boarding school was the way to go with missionaries' children. Most mission boards had seen that a lot of missionaries' children, when they finally were up and grown, They'd been raised in isolated places with limited education, and they would come back to a home country completely unequipped. They couldn't fit in the culture educationally. They hadn't had what they needed, and so the mission board my parents were with was a lot like a lot of the other ones. You had to sign a paper that says, when my children come of age, I will send them to boarding school. (laughs) And so when I was seven years old, off I went to boarding schools and boarding school most of my life, And they had a program at our school your senior year, and uh, you could choose all these different areas. They all had a price tag attached to them, (laughs) and so you had to run it by your parents because they had to pay for it, but there were all these opportunities for you. You could go, um, if you were interested in aviation, you could go with the the Missionary Aviation Fellowship, and they would teach you about flying planes, if you were interested in being a missionary, they'd take you out in the bush, and they'd just teach you about that sort of thing. If you were um, interested in being a secretary or something, they put you in the office at the school, which wasn't very fun, and so not very many people wanted to do that. Um, if you wanted to be a nurse, which I did, um, they would let you go do medical things, which I did not choose, because I thought, I'm going to be a nurse anyway. <laughs> I'm going to try something different, which was really not the whole point of the whole week. So I decided to go on an oceanography <laughs> trip because, of course, I wanted to be an oceanographer, whatever that is and whatever they do. So I went to the coast for a week for a week of free vacation <laughs> at my parents' expense, and we went snorkeling and looked for, uh, you know, ocean life and all of that. But while we were there, um, our teacher who was with us. She said one day, uh, there is a British naval ship in port, and they've agreed to let us go tour it. It didn't sound interesting to me. How many of y'all think that sounds interesting? I do too today, but then it didn't sound very interesting. Just go walk around a big boat, you know, it just didn't sound, but anyway, we went. And this ship had just got into port after being out at sea several months. We were all about 17, 18, the boat's filled with. Young men, we got all the attention that we had ever wanted in all of our life. <laughs> if any of us had felt ugly, we didn't feel ugly anymore, you know. <laughs> they made us feel beautiful, exotic, and anyway, I was talking with this one young man, and I you remember I'm 17. And do you remember how long four years is when you're 17? Some of y'all are 17. It's like forever. And today, it's like, oh, I'm already making plans to get through the next four years. It's probably going to be done before, you know, all my plans even, you know, come to fruition. But this young man had signed up for the Navy, thinking it sounded so exciting. And he goes out on this big ship only to find that he hates boats and hates the ocean. And he signed up for four or five years, whatever it was, in the British Navy. At 17, that sounded like a death sentence to me. <laughs> I felt so sad for this young man. It's just like four whole years out here, you know, and you hate it already, and he just gotten started. So he said, please, please, please write me. And, you know, I, I'm just out here on the boat, and so sure, took his address. So our trip's over. I'm back at home back at boarding school and while I'm, well, after a couple of weeks had passed I thought you know I need to sit down I need to write that young man so I sat down and as soon as I took pen to paper which we did back in the states <laughs> stamps and the whole bit uh, you know I immediately felt in my heart you need to talk to him about the Lord talking to him about the Lord was the last thing on my mind I you know, I didn't have a whole lot of confidence. I, you know, I'm not sure what I didn't have confidence about, but it's just like, you know, other people can do that. I'm just going to write him about where I live, the things that are going on here. As I continued to write, the Holy Spirit just continued to just put on my heart, put on my heart, you need to tell him about the Lord. Finally, just to get the Lord off my back, I wrote something really kind of lame compared to what I could have said. Something like, God loves you. God's with you. Or, you know, something like that melody. Sealed it up, stamped it, sent it off. And so he had told us how long that it would take, you know, for the boat to do, Navy's, he, Manny's been in the Navy, he probably knows, but back then I think it was like six weeks or something for, uh, anyway, for it to get to him, something like that. So about the time I'm looking, you know, I'm watching the calendar and thinking, "Oh, okay, it's not there yet. It's not there yet." And so finally, when I looked and saw, "Okay, this should be about the time that he's getting my letter." Good, it should be there by now. We went to class one day, and our teacher said, "How many of you all uh, went on that trip to the coast?" And you know, I raised my hand, and he said, "We just received word today." there had been this weird little scuffle. Someone took over a set of islands called the Falkland Islands. I don't even know where they are. But it's called the Falkland Crisis. And in that skirmish, this British ship that we have been on, some missile hit it and it sank. And that was the first time in my life that i realized that i was significant <laughs> that god had been tapping me on the shoulder for a reason i never i never knew what happened to that young man i didn't know what the lord intended me to do i didn't know if he didn't know the lord at all if the lord wanted a word of encouragement to go i didn't know but in that moment, I realized that all those thoughts that went through my head, and do thoughts, do they really have substance? <laughs> I mean, could you find one and get a hold of it and put it anywhere? It's, it has no substance. It can create substance <laughs> but all by itself. It doesn't, and yet we'll act on it. <laughs> we'll live our lives based on these thoughts, feelings, things that go through our mind. We'll make decisions based on it. And I realized in that moment that everything that had been firing through my brain, there's other people, there's this, there's that, you know, other people tell people about Jesus, that none of it was significant, but I was significant. God had needed me in a certain place at a certain time to do something for him. Now, when we look at our lives, can I have my dot and line? If we look at our lives, we're going to look at this line, and this line is eternity. The Lord would just put this on my heart the other day. I love the dot and the line because it helps me get perspective and has for many, many years now. But your life, if we could actually make that dot smaller, which I did not, but (laughs) I didn't want it to disappear completely, but imagine that dot being just as small as you could get it and still see it as a little blip on your line. thats That would represent your life on planet Earth. But how many of you know that that's not your whole life? The line is your life. <laughs> it extends forever. Your life here on the planet Earth is very short-lived. And yet, how often does it feel like it's everything to us? How often do we live our lives just for the little dot that's there, and we just kind of ignore the line that's beyond that? I was thinking about this the other day uh, when I was praying, and the Lord showed me something I just hadn't thought about before. But from your dot, you know, once your dot ends, your personal opportunity to influence is gone. You know, you're going to be, you will continue to exist. You will continue to exist either in heaven, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ, or you will continue to exist in hell, if you have rejected him. But either way, you will continue to exist, either way. But your opportunity for impact will finish when your little dot reaches its final end, the day that you leave this earth. But what what the Lord showed me as I was praying the other day is that through our impact, through recognizing our own significance, through impacting other people, if you did like a a Google Earth thing, you know where it just goes goes and goes and goes and goes and goes and goes, and then here's this little thing on Earth? If you did this Google thing all the way down to just one day on your dot, does that one day seem significant to you? Just one day out of that whole dot. Doesn't really seem that significant, does it? But do you know that in that day, if you just do what the Lord has asked you to do, that you can do things by impacting the lives of others that will create impact on your line long after you've left this earth. You lead someone to the Lord. I remember uh, being in a workshop, and this man, just he was a great man of God, preaching all over the world, teaching in Bible schools. Great, great man. And he said, you know, when I was a kid, my family were not churched. But he said, one summer I went and stayed a week with my grandma. She took me to church, took me to Sunday school. I heard the message of salvation. I gave my heart to the Lord. Went back home, never went to that town again. He said, I don't know even that lady's name who led me to the Lord. And she has no, real, no comprehension of the significance of what happened that day. But because she just showed up and taught a Sunday school class, you know, those of you who are in children's ministry, sometimes we get a little ho-hum about what we're doing. It's like, okay, it's this story today. <laughs> Let me refresh my memory. Let me practice my puppet skit. But we don't really go in thinking all the time something could happen today that would impact someone, that would create this massive ripple effect for years and years and years to come. And that's what he said. He said, you know, he gave his life to the Lord that day, doesn't know the lady's name, never ever got word back to her, never went to her and told her, you know, I was born again in your Sunday school class. And through that, I have reached thousands for the Lord From that one little lesson and altar call, letting me give my life to the Lord. All this has happened. She caused her life's impact to extend way, way, way out beyond her own lifetime. And then if you continue down the line of that, everyone who's born again under his ministry, as they begin to impact, it begins to extend farther and farther and farther down. You're already dead. They've already had your funeral. They've already put your body in the ground and you're alive with God. And yet, because you recognize the significance of what God called you to do when you were faithful to it, the impact of your life is just continuing on and on and on, even though your opportunity for personal impact ended the day that you died. There is a little girl in the Old Testament. We have a little bit of time left. Uh, a little girl, I don't think the Bible tells us her name. We'll go there and just look at a couple of scriptures in a minute. But what the Bible does tell us is that this little girl was basically taken captive in a raid on Israel. Syrian, I guess, little bands went, and they would just raid. And in one of these raids, they captured this little girl, brought her back. And so her role now was to wait on the wife of a great um, commander in the army. Do you think that can make you better? I think it could make me better. <laughs> I'm living happy with my family, my mom and dad. Mom's cooking for me and everything. And one day, someone comes in, probably kills my family, takes me. But as we read about this little girl's life recognizing her own significance all she did was say a few words but the commander developed leprosy which in that day was devastating you essentially your life was over you're just gonna wait till you died (coughs) excuse me and this little girl said to the woman that she served one day She said, oh, I just wish that he could get to the prophet in Israel. Because if he could get to the prophet in Israel, he'd heal him. And so the wife went to her husband and said, do you know what this little girl told me today? She said that there's a prophet in Israel, and if we could get you to him, that he'd heal you. And so the commander went to the king, and he said, this little girl told my wife who told me <laughs> that in Israel there is a prophet of God, and if I could get to him, he would heal me. And the king said, I'm going to write a letter, and I'm going to send it to the king of Israel, and I'm going to tell him to get you to that prophet so that he can heal you. So a little girl, we don't know how old she was, the little girl, just played her role <laughs> did did what she do was, was it massive no she was just faithful to say oh first of all she didn't get bitter she didn't say serves him right let's just let him die of leprosy think about what he did to me she wasn't thinking inward she was thinking outward and all she did was just say if he could just get to the prophet the prophet would heal him Little girl's really faithful, so they show up to the king of Israel with the letter. Give the letter to the king of Israel, and the king of Israel did not see his own significance. Here's a little girl who came from his kingdom who understands, and here's the king of the nation who sees himself as powerless. He doesn't see that he's part of the chosen... (laughs) Nation of Israel, he doesn't see that he's created in the image of God. He doesn't see that he's created for dominion. He tore his clothes, began just grieving, saying, He's trying to pick a fight with me. Who can heal leprosy? What's he trying to do? I just Oh, he's just looking for a reason to come and destroy us. And he just had a fit. Well, apparently it was a big fit because news about the fit made its way all the way to the prophet that this man was supposed to go to. And when the news got to the prophet, the king is just beside himself because there's this man here who came with a letter that said he's supposed to come see you and heal you. He said, We'll tell him to come. So he sent word to the king, just said, You know, put your stuff back together, (laughs) send him my way. And so this man comes to the prophet's house, and the prophet knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly what God wants him to do. He sends his servant out, and he says, Just tell him to go dip in the Jordan River seven times, and he'll be healed. And when this great commander heard that, he almost missed his opportunity. He said, That is not what I envisioned. <laughs> He said, This is what I envisioned. I envisioned that the man would come out, he would stand over me, and he says he would wave his hands. Just, you know, hocus pocus. I guess that's what he had in mind, you know, boo, and then I'd be healed. And he almost lost his moment of opportunity because he stormed off in a rage. He said, If I'm gonna be dipping in rivers, we got way better rivers where I come from than these rivers. And he got in his chariot, and fortunately he had some wise servants who also recognized their significance. They said, you know, <clears throat> we were just thinking, if, if he told you to do something real hard, you know, go kill a thousand lions, they didn't say this in the Bible, but you know, something hard, something that would take effort, they said, you would have done it. But really, what he asked you to do is really easy. It wouldn't hurt to try, would it? And so he said, okay, you're right. So we've got a little girl who understood her significance. We've got servants who understood their significance. <clears throat> this man goes to the river. He dips in the river seven times. And when he comes up, the Bible said that his skin was as smooth, as a newborn baby. If you've been around a newborn baby recently, their skin is incredible. (laughs) That's why people just sit there and just stroke them because it's so incredibly soft. They haven't done any work, anything. There's no calluses. There's no nothing. It's just incredible skin. And so we're going to look at this scripture right quick. I do have time. Yes, I do. We're going to look right quick in 2 Kings chapter 5. I want to just read you... The impact of what this little girl did, the impact of what the servants did, the impact of what that prophet did. 2 Kings 5, starting in verse 15, it says, And he returned to the man of God, this is the commander, he and all his aides, and they came, and they stood before him. And he said, Indeed now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But he said, this is the prophet, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. I want you to understand this just for a moment. This prophet was making sure that what happened here was about the line and not his personal little dot we like our dot to be comfortable we like our dot to be filled with fun things (laughs) we like our dot to just you know be filled with all the things that makes our life here on earth um, feel significant and there's nothing wrong with any of the things that i just said but they're not the main point (laughs) It's not the main dish. (laughs) It's not the main thing. Those are all side things. Our our main thing is recognizing that we're here to create an eternal difference. And that's what this prophet was making sure. That nothing that I do is going to make this man feel like he purchased a healing for himself. He's going to leave here knowing that God healed him and touched his life. If we continue to read, it says, Naaman said, this is verse 18, Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifices to other gods, but only to the Lord. That's called conversion. (laughs) He turned from all of his other gods saying, I'm going to serve the Lord God. Little servant girl. Nobody thought she was significant, but she saw her own significance. She played the role that God gave her to play. She made the impact that God wanted her to make. Because of her faithfulness, she impacted someone who had tremendous influence. We don't, we don't hear anything in the Word about the rest of his story. It's not included, but when we, have, when we get to heaven, we'll probably hear the rest of his story. But you know that his influence went far beyond himself, extending beyond himself to those who are around him. You don't have to be in any sort of some grand position You might say, I'm just a little person. I go, I punch a clock. I sit at a computer. I punch keys for eight hours. I'm done. I go home. That's all I do. You can do that. And yet at the same time in this life, recognize you were created in the image of God. You are his offspring. He breathed his life into mankind and the breath that you have today is still a part of that (laughs) you're still breathing that life of god that was breathed into adam in the beginning and all god needs you to do is just walk through your dot be faithful recognize your significance exercise your dominion (laughs) and he will use your life to impact this world far beyond the span of your life. Maybe just one day, there might be one day that God needs you on target. It's not the only day He'll ever use you. But it's like in this day you really, really need to be on you need to be on your game. You need to be listening to me. You need to be writing those words in the letter that I tell you to write instead of all your nonsense. So let's all stand together. To say this together I am significant I want you to say it like you mean it I am significant <laughs> I am significant to God I'm significant in this world I'm significant to people who are around me
1: and I will make my impact
0: <laughs> I will affect this world will leave my mark <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy my dot along the way. <laughs> Nothing wrong with enjoying your dot, but recognizing exactly what it is in light of eternity.